Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We are here for the long-awaited recap of UFC Paris. Danny is going to pay his Malort bet, and Country Club Kobe is going to hit us with news and notes, then follow that with a breakdown of UFC 279. First, though, and most importantly, we got to talk about who's in the house right now. Usual suspects, little three-box window going on. I'm going to go with Country Club first. Country Club, how are you feeling this afternoon? I'm feeling pretty good. Excited for pay-per-view weekend. We got NFL football back this weekend, and... Down in Austin, Texas, we've got a pretty good college football game, too. So a lot of action this weekend. There you go. So you know where Kobe's life is. It's going to be in the sports as expected. Dank wagers, you're all over the place. You, We were talking about Premier League earlier, U.S. Open tennis. I mean, you're just a jack of all trades. How are you feeling this evening? What up, what up, everyone? It's a good day. It's a good day to be green, and we've got another green card, plus 2.4 units last week. Ooh, that's actually weak sauce compared to me. For the first time in a while, I think I beat you out, which is a cha- which is a championship within itself. Because it definitely Dan- looks weak next to the six point five the week prior. But I was gonna say, uh, Dan, you're going onward and upward. Dan goes green every single week, so it's hard to beat. But let's just kick it off right out the rip with a recap of UFC Paris, which all in all ended up being a pretty good card. Kobe, I hope you have bonuses ready because there's a lot of potentials for this. We're going to start off quick with Stephanie Egger beating Aileen Perez. I mean, this is just the science didn't work here. And it was the, I believe, yeah, it was the only science opportunity. So she falls short. I like the spot, but I mean, it, it, Danny said it to me before the show even started or the, the, uh, the UFC Paris even started. He goes, it's either going to be an amazing bet or a really bad bet. And you're going to know within the first three minutes. And that's kind of how it played out. Um, but for someone who I thought would have the grappling advantage, she just didn't. And Stephanie might have been within even the first 15 seconds. There was that throw that was Mm -hmm. really, really close to Stephanie, Mm -hmm. like biting off more than she can chew. Mm -hmm. And she completed it. But it it was it was really that very first throw that you were like, who's going to end on top? And we have Stephanie Eggers, the winner of this fight. Yeah, and she just kind of grounded it out. So bad spot for the women's. Uh, Kobe, do you still have an up-to-date record on that? I want to give it to listeners for the system play. If you do. I don't, but it's been down the last two months or so at this point. Okay, we'll just ignore it then. Keep I'll it update on. it. I'll update it as necessary. Okay. Own one this week. Own one this week. Christian Kionez, brother of former UFC fighter Jose Kionez, gets a KO right hook ground and pound over Kali Taha. Uh, the not the the stoppage was in question. I wasn't mad about it. What's your thoughts here, Dan? Goodbye, Taha. Yeah, no, not not mad at all. Um, this was one where we played the under, and uh, this was one where they were just coming after each other all day, and it was it was uh, to me it was it was obvious enough. Yeah, I didn't track the under, but I did tail Danny's under. I always tail Danny's picks when I can. I mean, a green capper is a green capper. I'm not going to beat around that. So I did get, I did sprinkle the under. So shout out, Dan. Another shout out, Dan, here. 
Uh, Saints in need, Dan. I mean, I'm not even going to bother talking about this, so I'm going to give you the floor here. You were all over him. You said you were going to potentially lay him straight. You said you were going to have him in a lot of parlays. I believe you did finally or like actually finalize a play with him straight. I mean, did he look the part? I did a little bit of both. He did everything I wanted. Uh, I, I put 3X on him straight. It only paid around one, but I also paired him with Abus Magomedov. Uh, that was a parlay that ended up around 116, and I put two units there. So come Benoit St. Denis making the walk, I had 5X on him, and he looked he looked the part. He absolutely smoked Miranda. I think I said that I was worried about them both being dry for the first 30 seconds and a sub maybe being there, but Benoit was so game for that, and I don't think he lost a second outside of those first 30. Um, and, yeah, I got the quick KO in the second. Yeah, I was very impressed with the performance and you were all over it from the start. To lay, I mean, I cannot, to lay the 300 on a spot that I thought was questionable and for him to go out and look like that, great read. Dana was also impressed, 50K to St. Denis. Well-deserved. And I'm assuming first bonus of the evening? Yep. Sweet. Okay. Uh, Michelle or Mike Michael Figlock fell short to Faraz Saim. And Dan, you were kind of on this one too, a spot I didn't see. Did you ever lay Figlock at anything? No, I did not. No, I, I do want to apologize to those that listen to our episode. I, I had that read completely wrong. I soured on it by Saturday morning, but uh, if you played that, I'm sorry about that. It, that was not the spot for us. Used his experience and it paid off. Yeah. And it was for a guy that was cut and then brought back and didn't really have know where his roster spot was. Uh, he took on a big spot there against an undefeated newcomer and got the job done, which is always nice. Nazareth Hack Press uh, against John McDessey. Me and you, you both went back and forth on this a lot. Nazareth got the job done. I mean, it, it, it was a 30-27 grind out. It's kind of exactly what everyone kind of thought would probably happen. But good to see Nazareth get back on track. Okay. Yeah, I missed that. I, I took a shot on McDessey there. Oh, and, did you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I lost. I lost two units on some Canadians this card. I took a couple shots that didn't go my mm, way. That's troubling because my first tracked play was fading the Canadian, but we'll get there in a second. Abus Magomedov, Dan. I mean, you. I know you yep. had a track parlay, and it, that sweat didn't take long. Dustin Stolfsis fell in about 19 seconds. Yeah, I, I actually didn't even get to see that one live. I uh, was grabbing a beer, and it was over, and I had to like zoom backwards and 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 watch it. it I just completely missed it. It went so fast. That front kick, though, absolutely flush. Tragic. Yeah, it was a gorgeous finish. Gorgeous. And I I want our listeners to know, when I was mean grabbing a beer, I didn't go out and go to the store. I was walking from my couch to the fridge, and I missed this this knockout. Wild. It really did happen that fast. So Abus jumps on the scene like a monster, and the Magomedov 85% streak is continuing. I think it's higher than that. I think it's like 89. Yeah, it keeps going. Here's my um, 50K first. 50K to boost there, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Duh, duh. My bad. My bad. Of course. Of course. Uh, here's my first track play one unit, Nathaniel Wood. I, I felt good about it. I mean, I just thought there was value because I got plus 130 at minus 110 each way I lay off. I know that might not make sense to a lot of listeners, but I just felt that if you ran this fight 100 times, they probably each win 50. And so I wanted that yeah. extra 30 cents, you know? And I was on the wrong side of that. I uh, I had come around to the Charles Jordan side, and that was another play that I lost for a unit. But, which, but, but uh, Nathaniel which, Wood looked impressive. Yeah, Nathaniel Wood is looks the part. And I also want to shout him out for talking about his own problems. Um, he said he suffers from a lot of anxiety in his post-fight speech. And so dealing with that, 
on fight night is is tough for him and so that that's that's been the new trend with patty pimlet and um a lot of these guys coming out and and talking about their own struggles it's awesome to see athletes do that William Gomez versus Jarno Aaron's majority decision in favor of Gomez. I mean, this one to me, I didn't have a read going in and I guess I don't even really have a read going out. Like, I don't know if I see these guys on another UFC card, I'm all of a sudden going, I'm backing these guys, you know, am I off base? Yeah. That? Were you impressed? Nothing, nothing that I took note of. I mean, were we surprised that the, the Frenchman got the nod? I wasn't. No. And the minus 252, I mean, barely squeaks it out, is what it is. Here's our Malort bet, and also kind of ties into news and notes. Hold on, real quick. I want to go yeah. back to Gomi Aarons. Yeah. Did you see the scorecards? No. There was a 29-29 scorecard. We had a judge give a 10-10 third round. Do we know what wow. judge or was it a French judge? Or was it a judge that the UFC had brought? What, what wow. kind of I don't know about the judge, but mm -hmm. by the letter of the law, the 10-10 the round is when there's no difference or advantage between either fighter. Yeah, but it's like you find yourself where you can always find a reason. Like they'll even go down to who's advancing more. Right. Or, wow. I Dude, I'm not even kidding. I have seen – Honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen the 10-10 in the UFC. You see it all the time in boxing. But in MMA, I don't know if I've ever seen it. I mean, I haven't paid that close attention, clearly, because I didn't even notice this one. Um, but, wow, that is remarkable. I wonder – I and not to get too bogged down on this, but I do wonder if, like, you talk to someone like Dana White or these athletic commissions, if they prefer the judges to implement 10-10s, if it's a really close fight, or if they really lean on them – picking a spot you know i kind of can't like i don't know 10 10 rounds have got to lead to more draws draws which probably is not a good thing for the sport but i not not enough to like that's why that i have to imagine it. if they're encouraging 10 10s they're encouraging 10 eights and and i'm okay if it if, if the pendulum's going to swing and we're going to get to see a lot of 10 eights judged I'm okay with that. But. Well, I want more 10 eights, but that's beside the point. Great catch there, Country Club. I actually didn't catch that, so that's amazing. So Dan's doing a magic trick right now for those who are just on audio. He's holding. No, it's not a magic trick. It's it's in the it's in the glove. Yeah, I mean that's not like a simple thing. It's just so, like jammed in there. So Dan Dan put on a boxing glove, jammed in a malort shot. His punishment for none other than Kopilov versus DeCarico. I took Kopilov. He took took DeCarico. Kopilov the victim. In the past, I've done like some negative spiels before these shots of like cursing guys that beat me. Chris Weidman. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a lot of praise to to Roman and and that combination for that finish was fucking nasty. So I'm gonna take this nasty shot for that nasty combination. Malor. Yeah, that's not fun. No, that's not fun. Yeah, wash it back with some. Some B. That was not fun. No, it's not great. It's not great. But way to pay your dues, Dan. But it is a great sponsor. It is a great sponsor. They're as nice as they come. Two fisted drinkers. Atta boy. Uh, one little news and notes, not to steal Kobe's thunder, but it's very applicable. Alexio DeCarico announced his retirement following this fight as well. So he, he just said that in there he realized – 
pretty soon that he was just not as fast and not as strong. And that comes with age. And he's just kind of done what he's done in the sport and is moving on. So quick question. Do you think yeah. he really realized that in there? Or do you think it was something he was thinking in the gym and, and that he brought it? Sure, but- that'd be a fun, that, not funny, but that'd be a wild thing to be in an MMA fight and realize, wow, I don't have it anymore in the second right. round. Especially because he's not that old. He's only one year the senior. He's 32, Kopilov 31. But he made a lengthy Instagram post and just said, like, I was in there and I was slower. I was behind it. I just am not enjoying it as much. I'm done. So pour one out for Reese's Italian brethren. Right. And here's yeah, how about that? It seems like when we started the podcast, there was – Five, six, seven Italian fighters. What are we down to? Just like Vittori? Who, who else do we have? Not we. Who else do the Italian Vittori. people have? Yeah, Vittori. That's it. I don't want to act like I'm an Italian stallion here. Dude, that's I'm just, 1%. That's, that's reserved for our, I'm our 1% Italian, but we take it. Um, yeah, I mean, DeCarico, the thing with the sport in particular is we have like the most fake reneged retirements out of any sport i mean you almost can never take it for certain because like even like cejudo who i know he's been gone for a while but he's like i think a guy like cejudo and a guy like alessio are completely different no they are but i'm just or like i mean uriah faber again i know it's different but like these guys always find their ways back um and so we'll see i mean 32 years old if he's hungry by 34 35 i wouldn't be surprised if you see him back but Regardless, I wish him the best in all his, his endeavors. Some really sweet highlights like that uh, Buckley finish and stuff that he's added to the the mixtape. So shout out him. And then also shout out Kopilov for the finish. Good stuff there. Nasruddin Imovov, unanimous decision over Joaquin Buckley. Pretty much just outclassed him on the feet as expected. I think all of us kind of saw it that way. I did put him in a parlay. Um, and the parlay was with Abus. Shout out Dan. So that was another untracked bink, but yeah, Nasruddin Milvolf looked good. Anything to write home about or should we keep advancing? Uh, that That's the, that, yeah, that's, that's really just what we expected. Yeah. Neither of these guys are going anywhere. Buckley's an, an electric factory and Nasruddin is, is world-class. All right. Here was the big lay for me. I chucked down three units on, on Robert Whitaker. One of two three-unit plays of the evening. The first one was Robert Whitaker to beat Marvin Vittori. And the main reason why was actually something Danny said on the pod, that he doesn't see a way for Marvin Vittori to finish this fight. And with that being the case, Robert Whitaker is going to outclass him in the little things. You know what I mean? And, and that's exactly what happened. The combinations were there. The head kicks were there. And this is actually one of the first times, if only times, I've ever seen Marvin Vittori admit that he lost the fight. I mean, when he, he genuinely thought he beat Adesanya both times, um, and those fights were boring, where Whitaker put it on him and, and, and really whooped him. And you could see, do you know what I saw more than anything? That Bob used to be in one a 170, and Vittori's probably closer to 205. I mean, the speed difference was really, really noticeable. Yeah, no, for real. He outclassed yeah. him. This was this was one that I was a little bit worried about when we talked on the phone before fight night, just from some random gut feeling. I couldn't explain it to you. Just I knew Robert was better everywhere, but he really is fun to watch. Yeah. And it's so fun to watch him just class on these guys that aren't easy because he's better than them. And it, it, 
it's just and as much as I vice. Yeah. As much as I respect your gut feeling, I did ignore it. Three units, Whitaker, cash it. Um, also, I wanted to mention to both you guys, how do you feel about like all the media and MMA, Twitter and hardcores being like, Whitaker is the most, is the best middleweight on earth for sure. Is he super boring? Rob Whitaker beats like Vittori and beats Cannoneer way worse than Izzy ever did. Where we must you? have different MMA Twitters. Really? I didn't see that. Oh, I've seen that everywhere. Dan, where where do you have you not been seeing that too? I have not. What was that? Wait, what was this Twitter beef? I was it was not Twitter beef. I've been seeing a lot of people that I follow and a lot of like personalities talking about how Robert Whitaker beat Vittori worse than Izzy ever beat Vittori. Robert Whitaker beat Cannoneer worse than Izzy ever beat Cannoneer, and that a lot of people are calling that Robert Whitaker is the best middleweight. You're That's telling me you haven't seen any of that? Against another middleweight. You're telling I, me. I mean, I, I have not been seeing that circled, but it, it's it's. Uh, I'm I'm laughing a little bit over here. I'm chuckling. The best middleweight is 0 2 against another middleweight. One of them being a knockout, like a stounce knockout. Yeah, that part. I mean, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, but you have to admit, who who looked better against Vittori? Whitaker. Who looked I mean, better against Cannoneer? Whitaker. But we're not doing this right now. Say this isn't now. even MMA math. This is like. MMA junk science. <laughs> it's, it's true. All right, whatever. Reese, let me tell you something about echo oh. chambers on Twitter. Oh, God. All right, main event. Ankle lock also cashed. Over two and a half rounds. It was an absolute sweat. We tried to sneak in round to fight or uh, fight to start round two, which also was kind of a sweat. Both ended up cashing, though, as it went an extra two minutes after that. But Cyril Ghosn ends up getting the KOTKO punches uh, with about 30 seconds left, 40 seconds left in the third round. Wow. Fight yeah, night. What a fun, fun fight, especially that second round. Um, I had fight starts round three that you mentioned. And that was a sweat and a half. I was sitting there on my couch. Um, just for context, this was, uh, I live in Austin, Texas for you listeners. We had a Longhorn night football game there. Everyone's, worried about football and pre-gaming i'm sitting on the couch survive 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 stand up hands up protect your body come on just rooting them on and, and making sure that they made it to that school because that was the most important thing in my day and i'm, I'm so happy that i don't know if ty was playing chicken with that initial like rocking but it was a fun that was pretty cool yeah, i think seconds. he totally was no, he was, but I also was worried because, like, the ref looked like he was going to stop it multiple times to those body shots, like multiple. The ref looked like he had no idea what to do. He was like, yeah. try, jump, try. what's going on? The ref right. had no idea. Right, but props to Ty. No one will ever deny his toughness, but, I mean, it, it honestly, to me, just really shows the difference between these, like, three through eight heavyweights and, like, the Nganu gone. That's it. Those two. You know, it's really a big difference. Um, I'm, I know that you want to, and after I say it, you're going to agree with me, but I'm willing to put Curtis Blades in that conversation. Me too. Oh, duh, duh, duh. Me too. Me too. Me too. Sorry for the disrespect, Curtis. I'm an all, I'm a massive Curtis fan. Um, yeah. I mean, I think like middle heavyweight looks very similar to middleweight where it's like, Whitaker and Adesanya are leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else. And it's been apparent. And I think there's a bottleneck at heavyweight too, where 
after it goes Nganu, gone blades. And then after that, I mean, Aspinall's hurt. I don't want to disrespect Aspinall, but like Tuivasa, Amiacic is there too. I might be eating my words, honestly. But nonetheless, phenomenal main event. And arguably up and down, just as good of a card as what we got this week at UFC 279. But we'll get there. 50K so, both ways, fight of the night for Tuivasa and Gunn. Good job, UFC, on the bonuses. And, and um, shout out to that Paris card, too. I don't want to move off of this event with, uh, without giving them props. I saw a bunch of clips of, of how awesome that environment looked. I, was, I was, had a lot of FOMO that I wasn't there. Yeah, they were, they were starving for UFC there. It was illegal. I mean, that, there's a massive storyline there. It was illegal it's for funny, so It's funny, Reese. Long. I've never been to Paris in my life, and I, I had FOMO that I was missing UFC Paris. Fuck the Eiffel Tower and whatnot. Yeah, I love it. I've been I've been to Paris, and I would trade my entire experience in Paris for one night at that UFC fight. That was nuts. But yeah, they were. Yeah, you would love French food, steak frites. That's like right up your alley. Yes, sir. Red meat on top of French fries. That sounds like a lomo saltado. Okay, really quickly, uh, four contracts won this week, Tuesday night. Uh, Ishmael Bonfim and his brother Gabriel Bonfim. One was a submission via Von Flunchoke. One was a unanimous decision. Over Nerman Abasov, who is 28 and three, now it drops to 28 and four. Both the Bonfim brothers looked incredible. The Von Floon was so cool. Yeah, it was. It came out of nowhere. I didn't even right. see it. Um, Carl Williams defeats Jimmy Lawson, the Penn State wrestler, for unanimous decision as a big dog, won all three rounds. And then in the main event, it was actually a rematch of an earlier fight between Vitor Petrino and Hadolfo Batello. And Batello fell yet again, unfortunately, as 0-2. Both his losses come to Vitor Petrino, who also got a UFC contract. So four UFC contracts, all looked apart, all belong in the UFC. I mean, even Carl Williams fought up at 265, usually fights at 205, just always game for a fight. So props to all those guys. I mean, they I mean, this would this week, both sides came to i mean nerman abasov could easily be in the ufc trey waters i believe could be in the ufc adolfo batello i mean heavyweights or that's light heavyweight he's a little more fringe but there was a lot of talent on this card unbelievable start to this season i mean midway season maybe near the end of the season but this has been a hell of a season of tuesday night contender series and continues to prove why tough is going to struggle going forward okay that was a lot country club hit the news and notes yeah, actually a good segue into first piece of news and notes. Um, congratulations are in order actually to uh, Dank Waiters. Dan, congratulations on not being the smallest, scrawniest fan of the UFC because we found out in the post Dana White Contender Series presser that Mark Zuckerberg is apparently a big fan yep. of the UFC and Dana was talking about him post-fight there. So yeah. props are in order to Danny. I've seen those sparring rounds. I think Zuck trains for all the people who call him an alien. Got to defend him all. Um, a little more serious note. We had some fights to announce and uh, then some news coming up. Whatever. Let's just go through some fights. Um, not a whole bunch of big fights to announce this week, but we'll roll through these real quick. Nick Maximov and Jacob Malkoon. That's coming up pretty soon here. That's October 15th. And the Apex, any interest there? I mean, if you don't like grapplers, don't watch that fight. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that both 
need to show still. So that's UFC 281. That is November 12th. We confirmed, obviously we've already talked about this one, but we confirmed Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier. And then we had Andre Petrosky, Wellington Terman, a couple of eternal ankle pick fades. I guess has Terman become past the fade number? Where where we stand with Wellington Terman? Here's where we stand. I still think he's sneaky good for some reason, and Danny still thinks he's hot trash, so mixed. Well, Petrosky is definitely hot trash. I'm glad we don't agree, or I'm glad none of us disagree there. Um, Some unfortunate news. Jack Shore, apparently a pretty gruesome knee injury, is out of his fight against Kyler Phillips. That was supposed to be the following week, November 19th. Oh, yeah. We were really excited for that one, Matt. I, I, I had no idea that about that news this is the first time hearing it. Me, me too. I didn't know about the Kind of gut punched. Like I that, knew the fight was really, off. I didn't know it was an injury. I had no idea. That, 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 hurts, that hurts me deep. Um. Also, same week, we have Jennifer Maya and Marina Moroz. Nothing for me. Um, In the works for UFC 282, that's going to be December 10th, Darren Till and Dreykus Duplessis. That's a fun one. I mean, if if Darren Till makes it to the octagon, that's that's been the key. That one's not confirmed, but uh, enough talk about it. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Bro, no one can convince – like, Darren Till was, like, the most hyped guy ever. I mean, when he elbow-fucked Donald Cerrone and just – I I think he's got to be one of the more overrated guys rostered right now. I'm still waiting to see something. Remember when you picked him over Robert Whitaker? I do. Let's move on. Yeah, that's tough. Let's move on. Uh, this one will take us into – our pay-per-view this weekend, 279, but post-fight weekend, Nate Diaz is looking to start his own fight promotion, Real Fight Inc. Yeah, don't care. But for him, we've seen a lot, a lot, a lot of success uh, with his colleagues doing the same. I mean, Icon and uh, what is Game Bread? Game Bread. And I think Jorge I mean, Masvidal so- has two different ones. We've yeah. Khabib's we- Gorilla FC or I- Eagle, sorry, not Gorilla. Um, we've got uh, Krause's, what is it? FAC. We've got um, Anthony Pettis Fight Club. I mean, these all exist, Dan, but we're some of the biggest fans. And I don't know, maybe not. I don't want to speak for myself. They're all on you guys are some athlete. of the biggest fans in the sport. And other than Eagle FC, how many have you tuned in to see? Well, we just had this year, um, a, I don't want to say graduate, but Someone who fought on Anthony Pettis Fight Club got a win on the same PFL card that he got eliminated from the playoffs in. And it, it, we, we are seeing a lot more talent come through with these bigger promotions that are that are being started. And I, I know that Eagle FC has had some really great matchups. I know a lot of it is a little bit leaning on older, not older, but ex-UFC contenders. But they're, they're in the mix are some up-and-coming fighters that are getting a shot because of it i guess my pessimism i don't want to direct that at nate diaz good for him getting his ducks in a row start starting something up like this but i struggled to see i mean obviously the best of the best of those promotions are going to get pfl opportunities are going to get opportunities elsewhere and so it's a good breeding ground for that but 
the the promotion itself just doesn't tickle my interest just yet yeah a world where we know and are familiar with i won't say amateur but lower level promotions that that are the minor leagues for the ufc uh the better and then the more competition for the lfa the better i truly believe that the the more events that we get like the fight pass invitational where it's uh ufc fighters captaining their teams and grappling events or in tournament fight styles or, or things it, it's really only helping the sport progress I, I know that i mentioned a couple episodes the live and pga golf whatever just both pushing each other to be creative and i think that's what we're going to get the, the more competition in the minor leagues i'm not talking about like pfl bellator ufc they're, they're not going to get touched by what is it real real fighter fc what is it kobe do you have it in front of you real fight inc real fight inc uh, they're not, yeah, they're not worried about it, but I guarantee fight pass is picking it up. And I guarantee that Anthony Pettis FC is, is gearing up their recruiting strategy and, and the FAC from for, with well, James Krause well, gearing well. up their recruiting strategy. And it's only going to push for, I, I agree. Quality. I agree with everything you're saying, but at a certain point you lean or you get close to, to spectacles and like, eventually there has to be oversaturation. And so I would imagine that 10 years from now or five years from now that if Uriah Faber, Nate Diaz, Jorge Maza, like all these guys can't all have their own promotions. There's just like, it, it's fun. And I, I love it. I mean, I think it. the first guys to get edged out are the Sean Merriman's if I'm going to be honest. No. And, and I'm sure. And there, there's another one, but he at least has like TV contracts and stuff. I mean, all like, these people will get, I'm not saying that real fight Inc has it, but uh, Faber's FAC, I, both of Jorge Masvidal, they all have fight pass contracts. That's where it starts. That's where. Here's where I look at it. I'm an absolute degen with MMA, and I know you are too. And it's already hard enough to catch LFA, one, Bellator, PFL, and UFC. There's no way. Like, I mean, I watch Eagle FC too, and I watch, I sometimes watch bare knuckle. Like, I watch it all. But at a certain point, I'm not going to flip on Jorge Masvidal game. I haven't seen a single game bred fight. I'll be honest. I have not. Someone's got to give these guys exposure. These guys are fighting anyways for two and two. Someone's got to make it eight and eight. All right. Don't disagree. All right. Let's not spend too much time on, on fucking whatever the fuck we're talking about. Let's move it on to 279. Okay. We have... 9 p.m. main card Saturday night. That is September 10th, 2022. 5 p.m. early prelims. Yeah, I'll turn it's it over to Reese. Lying, dude. I'm. It's out of control. But nonetheless, let's get into it. So Darian Weeks is fighting Johan Lanessi, and Lion Lanes. I feel like I'm saying that name wrong, but I know he's already fought in the UFC. Lost to Gabe Green and was on the Contender Series. Um, he was a Canadian, I believe, but yeah, he is. So he's a Canadian he's, and he's taking on Darren Weeks, a guy who also has very limited UFC fights. And it's a very close line. Minus 130 Darian Week, Weeks, plus 110 for Johan Liness. And I'm going to keep botching his name. One of them will stick. And the line hasn't moved much. It, it opened at 135. Oh, no. Whoa, it actually opened at Johan minus 150. Flipped almost instantly to Darren Weeks and has tapered out since then. I mean, my first instinct, Dan, 
was Darian Weeks. After taping, it's Darian Weeks, but just less so, if that makes sense. So like, I've got actually a two-unit bet placed on Johan Linus. Wow. I grabbed I grabbed plus 114 wow. a day and a half ago. What did you grab? Sorry, I was plus one fourteen. It's at plus one hundred five okay. right now, so it's just a wow. little bit worse. I think you get plus one ten some some places, but okay, I, gonna, I, I really I'll, like this spot. I'm gonna give you the floor. I, I'm gonna give you the floor because that really surprises me. I know that there was a little bit more tape. I guess it was equal tape, honestly, but like, wow. So please please explain because two units is no slouch bet. I'm I'm very curious by this bet. The big thing for me on why this line is where it is and why the steam really, really flipped the line is what I'm saying. Uh, there's a lot of question marks about Johan's gas tank. And people are looking at that Gabe Green fight. They're looking at him absolutely style on Gabe Green, unable to get the finish. And then his gas tank's gone. And they're thinking, this guy can't fight for three rounds. Or I, I won't back him for three rounds. If you dive a little bit deeper into that tape, I really, really believe that it's not a gas tank problem. It's a pacing problem. Gabe Green's a guy who sets a ridiculous pace. And even when he was getting murked, he was setting a ridiculous pace. He would not go away. And I think that Lioness, because of how much success he was having, was continuing to try and finish the fight past the point of where he should and wound up just in a really, really bad spot late in that second round when all he had done was dominate. He really, all he had done was dominate. Mm -hmm. He's fighting a guy in Darian Weeks that I really just don't think should be in the UFC. I've got to be honest. I think he needs three or four more LFA fights. He's just not at the experience level that I think that Johan is. Johan's got the power. Johan's got the speed. If he can not just lose his head and lose, like lose his mind really and save himself. He's going to be the better fighter for the full 15 minutes. And I, I could see it. I could see a path to victory where he gets a stoppage in round one. I could see a path to victory where he mixes in wrestling and, and just has a styled performance for 15 minutes. I really like the Johan line spot. Wow. I'm honestly taken back. Cause I don't have enough conviction to like argue with you in any way. I see what you're saying but from the sheer tape i watched i had this at i thought during i was gonna like during weeks going in and then i basically was just like eh, it's more of a coin flip you know like i wasn't overly impressed with lanessi or Lanes. i know it, it he looked great until he got finished but again my first thing was wow red flag on gas tank which obviously you mentioned Darian Weeks. That, that's really it. I, I, I want to stress that this is not, I'm not trying to tell you here's our lock of the night and here's why. I see some value at this. Okay. Juice and that's price. all the game is. But yeah, I see the value at this juice price versus a guy who I don't think should be here. Uh, and and Johan Linus, I think, deserves to be here. He's good enough. And I don't see his Gabe Green fight as a red flag as much as other, other cardio situations. I've, I've seen him, uh, what was it? I think it was the other guy green that I watched uh, him fight. Was it uh to- Troy green, Ty green, um, Troy green. He, he was in the third round of that fight, pushing for takedowns and landing takedowns and not looking like he's lost. This is, a, this isn't a guy who I think has 
serious gas tank issues or doesn't know how to like conserve it. I really believe he got dragged into deeper waters than he expected because he saw the finish right in front of him and, and thought he could have it. Hmm. Wow. I mean, I, I'm shocked, but I, I mean, all your reasoning lines up for me. I, I, I probably will tell you. So if you're listening to this, I do not have a strong enough conviction on Darian Weeks. Tail dank wagers. That's quite the conviction. Elise Reed versus Melissa Martinez is next. And Elise Reed plus 140. Melissa Martinez, the undefeated newcomer, minus 165. Line opened at Melissa uh, Martinez, minus 252. People betting on the experience here, Dan. It's dropped quite a bit, but she still finds herself as the favorite. She is making her UFC debut, and her only fights are on the Mexican regional scene. Um, not that that's like a slump promotion. I've heard of it. It's Combate or Combat uh, 51, but it's it's worth noting where Elise Reed, although she has been, I, I wouldn't She's say that. and one in the UFC. That's all you yeah, really have Against Corey McKenna, too, who isn't like, I know you and I fade her, but like it's not like, it's a reasonable win. It's. So moral story is there's questions to be answered. I get why it's been bet down a little bit. Are you still dogger passing this one or do you actually have conviction? I'm still dogger pass on this yeah, one. Um, I, I will be passing. I'll tell you that. Yeah, me too. It's a spot where I think that it'll be a striking match. And although Elise is no slouch on the feet, she's actually, I think, better on the feet than the map. I don't think she's as good as Martinez. And it's just not a spot I'm excited to, to, to touch. That's kind of my thing too. Is like I love the dog system, but like I don't even have a good feeling about either. like I'm I not need- telling Kobe to yeah. st- to not track it because the right. system's the system for for a reason. Right. I just want. But to. yeah, I, I I don't. It's not a track to play. I agree. Chad and Hellinger is taking on Alatang Haley. Let's go, and that's at one thirty-five, and it's. I think that one's going to be an underrated banger. But Alatang Haley sits at minus one eighty right now. Chad and Hellinger plus 155. It opened at Alatang Haley minus 255 and got smashed. I mean, absolutely smashed. And then it slowly tapered back. So early believers on Ed Hellinger, a little bit more late action and, and the regular batters coming in on Alatang Haley. I mean, for me, Dan, Chad Hellinger actually cashed. Um, he's 2-0 and for me. I bet him against Jesse Strader. And I actually bet him on the contender series where he was a big dog and got the job done. So I have a little bias on, on him. I won't lie to you. I think Chad Ellinger is underrated, but he's, it took him a while. I mean, he has a crazy career. I mean, he, he's been fighting for a while. He's like 30, what is it, 35 years old. Um, but dude, he beat he, he's got the storyline for our listeners in case there's any that haven't heard it. He was two and five. Yep. For his first seven professional fights, yep. which is, I mean, a situation where, I mean, I would hang it up. I think most people in the world would hang it up, but the heart in this guy who was two and five is now 12 and five. Not only that, but he has some, some wins over real people like Josh Smith, who recently fought for the CFFC against uh, none other than Demond Blackshear. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. He beat, um, Brady Highstead. He was a finalist on Tough. And then he comes in, beats a contender series guy as a big dog, and then beats Jesse Strader uh, via finish. And now he's coming in here against Alatang Haley, who, I mean, we know more about it, Alatang Haley. 
Um, he, he's definitely been like, I mean, he just knocked out Kevin Kroom in 47 seconds. He's fought Casey Kennedy to a decision, although he lost. I mean, he's, he's been in the UFC enough to where we know what we're getting. Where are you, Dan? I like I mean, the Alatang Haley side. Not see, to burst your bubble. No, it, um, I don't have any conviction. I wasn't, I am 2 0 on, uh, and Hellinger, but I came into this saying that that's where that where that's where it stops. I'm not betting, but I'm not, but I'm not betting Alatang Haley. I don't know if you I are. might be. I, I'm not okay. so convinced, and I'm not telling you that I will. But I I'm coming around to it, and and part of it is the narrative that we talk about a lot with these Chinese fighters that are really promising, really young, really athletic, and then they stay in China. They train and they train and they don't have a lot high competition. They don't have high level coaches. They don't have high level game plans and, and it affects them. It really does. Alatang Haley has moved to fight ready and the conditioning level there, the game plans there, the training partners, it's, as good of a gym as you can ask for, especially this year. There, when we do year year end uh, awards, Fight Ready MMA is probably top two, top three for gym of the year, no matter what. Um, and I think that Alatangi Lee is really taking the advantage of that. He's taking a lot of steps forward. Uh, that Casey Kenny fight, obviously he got smoked, but he took that loss like a man. We know for he's sure. tough as nails. Yeah, we sure. know that he learned a lot from that. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't uh, isn't Casey Kenny spending a lot of time at Fight Ready too? I think he's going to be learning with Casey Kenny. Um, yeah, very possible. I'm not. I don't want to speak on that. I don't know if he's at Fight. And Ready. then back to that Ann Hellinger Strader fight. That was a fight Ann Hellinger lost every second of until he got the knockout. That is true, but he did get the knockout. Punk. And yeah, that's somehow how MMA works, but. I like this spot for Alatangi Lee, especially okay. now that the numbers come back that way. Okay. I will keep an eye on that one. I'll definitely dig a little more. I didn't spend as much time as I probably should have because of my bias. Um, so that's interesting. A 145-pound fight, and this one is a little bit more interesting than I think that people realize. Daniel Wolf, 1-0 professionally, but has a massive pro boxing record of 27-14. and 14. She was on the Contender Series. I wasn't overly impressed, but she got the W and then Dana gave her a contract partially because she's already 39. So, you know, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. She's taking on Norma Dumont. I mean, one of my favorite girls, because she hit that big one against Aspen Ladd that cashed that massive parlay for me. But one of the true 145ers that the UFC really has. And then here comes Danielle Wolf. The line to me is set accordingly. Norma Dumont minus 410, Danielle Wolf plus 330. Here's my problem, Dan. I'm so sure Norma Dumont's going to win this fight because there's so many levels to it. I really am sure of it. But she also just lost to Macy Chiasson and she was an undersized 145 going into that. So I'm not paying 400 on her. I, I Not even in a parlay, even though it's against someone that I don't think is UFC caliber. I don't think she'll be fighting mixed martial arts and is mainly a boxer. I'm not interested. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's, it's, you really laid it out. It's experience versus no experience. We know that Danielle Wolf's going to have a little bit of a wider stance, look for Norma to kick her front leg. Yep. Um, that's just Mixing general with boxers. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, 
not fun to really pay a minus 400 on any woman. That's, that's the genesis of our entire system. Kobe. Right. What is our yeah. threshold that we've, we've talked about? Of, oh, three, uh, minus 350. 350 reaches on it. And this is one that I would advise, even though it doesn't fit the system, this is one where I would say, don't take Daniel Wolf. I mean, we've done it a couple times now. And there have been a couple dogs that were like plus 400 that were like, eh, you probably throw that in there. This one, I, I personally wouldn't. Um, I mean, you can, but I just don't see a 39-year-old 60% win rate professional boxer who's one and all in the contender series and didn't look great against a girl who like, I know she lost to Chasm, but she's a real mixed martial arts fighter. And that one. boxing record, I know that you're saying 60%, whatever. That's different than an, for our listeners. That's really different than an MMA record. Professional oh, yeah. boxing. If you lose twice, three times, you are a bum. Like it, <laughs> it is just like the way it works. Yeah. It's not like MMA. You cannot do a Chad and Hellinger and win 10 in a row. And all of a sudden you're at the highest level. Right. Having like 13 boxing losses is a really big red flag. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And and she's 39 and she's making a late, like you just can't learn. Like Greg Hardy slept at ATT. You just can't learn this stuff overnight. It's impossible. And I'm sorry, but like, it's just too late. So Norma Dumont, I like her, but I'm not laying 400 chalk. Jake Collier, Chris Barnett, the battle of the guys that need to cut the midsection a little bit, carrying around a little extra tires. And Chris Barnett is, whoa, plus 350. Jake Collier minus 435. Uh, open to Jake Collier minus 300 dogger pass for me. I mean, I don't, I never want to back Chris Barnett. Don't let me get that twisted. Like I, I did against you won some money as a podcast backing Chris Barnett because of Jan on, that wheel, on that wheel kick. Yeah. Because we of Jan were all over that. I want, I want, I don't want you to move past that. We were all no, I know, over but that, that wheel but kick. that was a Jan Vellante fade, not a Chris Barnett backing. I. In what I, world should Jake Collier be minus 475? Never, never. So this never. could be another Jake Carly or my, my, minus four seventy five fade. That, like there's no business. No, you just. There. I mean, it's worth a stab on Barnett, honestly. Like even half a unit. I mean, I don't. I literally just threw some free play on Barnett. There you go. At four thirty. Like, I gotta be honest, Kobe. You're gonna. I, I think you're gonna continue to sprinkle some free play tonight. Dogs are barking on. Yeah, this they bar. are. But for this one in particular, like I'm reading this line live. You guys saw my face. I did not believe it was in the four hundreds. If this was a set the spread, Dan, I automatically concede this point. I wouldn't have been. I mean, close. you got a five nine super heavyweight that has to cut two sixty five versus a former middleweight who it literally Welter. I think he fought at Welter. It's it's it's. He looked yeah. great against uh, Chase Sherman, but even watching that back was like Chase Sherman made one mistake, and all of a sudden he's in full mount. You give someone full mount with a, a Jake Collier sized boulder on top of them, they're not kicking out of that like can we also just, talk about something for a millisecond we're talking about jake collier fighting chase sherman i mean that's is like what are we that's doing why in? this number is as big as it is he looked so good against chase sherman because chase sherman fell on his back and immediately full mount you're right it's a middleweight by the way dan you were right but nonetheless th this line's too much barnett is a meme I'm not even going to lie. Like, he's not ever going to challenge for gold. He's never even going to be ranked. But he is underratedly athletic. And sure. of the pairing, yeah. 
even though one's and five technical. nine and one is whatever. And technical. It's just Chris the fact. Barnett. It's just the fact that it, he's a super heavyweight who's small fighting. Like he'll always be on the six inch height. Right. This difference is, is is meaningful, but yeah. But like, dude, it's absolutely possible Barnett wins this fight. I, I mean, you th- you sprinkle. Don't get me. You're not going out there laying a unit or two. But like, you know, this this is this is this could be a spot. Jamie Pickett's taking on Dines Talulian, and that's at middleweight. And that line is Jamie Pickett minus one thirty. Dennis Talulian, Tulian, Tulululian, plus one ten. Jamie Pickett open at minus one eighty. Look. You will not catch me dead backing Jamie Pickett again. Um, he always loses. On the flip side, how is Dennis Tolulian here again? Like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but like, he strung together a couple great knockouts on the regional scene, but he's like still losing. I mean, he's like, what, 10 and six and he's 34? Yeah, 10 and six and he's 34. I mean, the dude's got pop. For sure, but like, I don't know. If I had to guess, Dan, and I Part had to play narratives. Listen to this. If I had to guess and I had to play, I'm doing Dennis Tolulian via KO because I think when I watched Jamie Pickett lose to Jordan Wright, that is it for me. I'm done. I'm I, I've seen all I need to see. I'm good. I'm not laying minus 180. I'm not laying minus 160. I'm good. You know that's why you're a smart guy. This, this is one where I'm going to see myself probably playing come Sunday morning. I like Dennis Julian. Um, he, he's to answer your question without moving on. Um, the narrative is important when we're talking about his progression before the UFC, because he's an M one fighting the best wrestlers in the world. And mm-hmm. he himself is a one dimensional kickboxer. He has zero wrestling. Mm-hmm. And so these decisions that he's losing, he he's getting wrestled and there's split decisions and he's getting rear naked choked. And there it's, it's not fights that Dana watches and he thinks, Oh, this guy can't compete. And in the meantime, the guy has been working and I'm not going to sit here like Jamie Pickett is D one Jamie Pickett or something, or like Dagestani. I don't expect that. I expect this one to be mostly on their feet. If Dennis spends upwards of seven minutes on his back, this will be a loss and, and that'll be a bad play. But I don't expect that. I think that Dennis is going to piece him up while they're on the feet. I think he's the much better striker. Like you said, he has pop. Um, I think this is a good spot for him. Just but because, like you finishes, said, Jamie Pickett is not the guy. Even his finishes on the regional scene, he did finish a guy who was 11-2 and two that got him the UFC contract. But before that, it's like 7-9, and 0-0, oh and 0-11. Oh, oh and 11. Like, it's a it's – a, it's a suspect record. And the only footage I really had was that of the UFC fight. And he didn't, I mean, we know how that went. I mean, he, he was fighting Kurozev, who's like, obviously, fuck, like, you don't want to take that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a Jamie Pickett fade at, at a plus. And the, if I could, do you know who Jamie Pickett reminds me of? Hector Lombard. I hope that's not too old school. It's definitely too old school for, for Kobe. But Hector Lombard comes in. He's this freak Cuban athlete. I mean, freak. You look at this man and you're like, that man could pull a freight truck. And he just never panned out. He just didn't have it. Jamie Pickett is so similar to that where the eye test, you look at Jamie Pickett, you're like, holy shit. 
that dude could be in the NFL. That dude could, that dude, he is built like an absolute Mack truck. But he just doesn't have it. Outside of this to Jordan Wright and Charles Bird are tough. Yeah, it's tough. And like, especially because like his wins are like Leonardo Staropoli, who was extremely undersized, like extremely undersized. And so it's like, and he's cut. Like, what? I, I don't know. This one's suspect written all over it, but I, you got to find yourself on the dog. All right. This one's a, another ginormous line. Jalton Almeida at 220 catch weight, I believe, is taking on Anton Turk Turkalge. That's a new name for me. Um, oh, he came off the contender series. I do remember that fight. Uh, do not pronounce that one. Turkalage. I've just been saying Turkalge. Turkalge. Anton Turkalge. And the line on this bad boy. Man, we have such a tough job trying to pronounce half these names. Uh, his Anton Turkalge plus 490. Dalton Almeida plus 660. The line opened. This is not a lie. This is legit. The line opened at Jalton Mal- Al- uh, Almeida minus 1,500. Anton Turkalj plus 750. Um, Dan, I mean, when I look at a guy like Jalton, it looks as if everybody, everybody is basically like, this guy is going to be the future champion of, of the lightweight division or light heavyweight division. I mean, his we've talked about his grappling. It is insane. We've talked about his striking. It is, It has come leaps and bounds. Um. And he's built like an absolute freak athlete. And so when you see lines like 660, you only see that with guys like Hamza Chemaev, Kamaru Usman when he was rising the ranks. These guys that just were truly untouchable. Does Anton Turkalj have a chance? I mean, he's 26. He's a light heavyweight. He's not a slouch. He's undefeated. He's undefeated. Oh, what I'll say about Anton. And he trained, yeah. I believe, does he train with Gustafsson and says he's from Sweden? I don't think he does, but you could correct me. I'm not sure. Um, so what, what I've got with this fight. Yeah, he does not. Jalton is, is definitely a guy to bookmark for a, a very much a contender at 205. Um, I'm seeing a spot here. I'm looking at Jalton, who's a phenomenal grappler, who obviously has pop. He's, a, he's got the strength. He's a good striker. It's more so to set up his grappling, but he's, way better from the top than the bottom. Anton's a wrestler. Anton's going to come in, and I think that Anton's going to try and take Jalton down because I don't think he believes that Jalton's that dangerous off his back. They're, these are light heavyweight, fringe light heavyweight heavyweights, 220. I don't think Anton's th- or uh, Jalton's throwing up a triangle. I like an over 1.5 here. Mm. As much as I think that Jalton will win this fight, and that Jelton will be the better of, of, of the scrambles. And, and once he gets on top, we'll start to work. I think that there's a spot here where the first five minutes, when everyone's dry and everyone's strong and everyone's wrestling, and maybe Anton gets on top, it's a little bit of a stalemate. And then Jelton begins to take over because he is that phenomenal generational talent and, and, and whatnot. So and I'm you can get... This- the over as high as over one and a half plus one forty over at Caesars. Yep. So you're getting positive juice on that. And I think that it, it's we see it all the time in these boogeyman style contenders that are coming in and 
round one, Jailton Almeida is, is minus right. 250 or some crap. And Hamza Chemaev and whatever. And a lot of times it's not so much that they're facing the toughest task. Sometimes they don't find the button and it takes 10 minutes. Maybe it takes 12 minutes. And, and the other thing too, is it's not like he's getting a lamb to, I mean, the line would suggest it, but it's not like to college is like an absolute joke. You know what I mean? Like he's a undefeated belongs in the UFC five years younger, one inch taller. Yeah. It's going to be a fight. They're going to meet in the middle. It's going to be a fight. Yeah. It's going to be a fight. I, I think that I like this fight to play out over one and a half rounds. I, I don't hate that pick. I think you'll be sweating nuts for a while. But if you get into a good grappling exchange, Jalton. If Anton is on top in that first takedown exchange, I am i don't think I'm sweating. I think I think we're cooling in the first round nice. and then I sweat the second. <laughs> nice. I mean, over-unders are the biggest sweat out of anything. Last prelim, and it's, man, got to be my favorite. Actually, it's definitely my favorite. Hakeem Dawadu, Dawadu versus Julian Arosa. And mean Hakeem Dawadu is minus 225. Julian Juicy J Arosa plus 190. Lined opened at minus 190 for Hakeem Dawadu and, and it's kind of been hit since and then has trickled back. But, dude, I think... This is Mean Akeem's fight to lose. And the reason why is because he's a little bit faster. He's a little bit crisper. And I think that I know he's had a couple of split decisions go his way. And by a couple, I mean a lot. Kyle Bachnack, Julian Arce, Arce and uh, Tukagov. But his only loss in the UFC outside of a Danny Henry guillotine in his debut is Mozart Evolev. And he's had a lot of success against high-level names. Julian Arosa um, was on tough a while back, got cut from the UFC, fought all the way back, got onto the Contender Series, got back into the UFC, dropped three straight, cut again, comes back, and is is like new. Flying knees, Nate Landwehr, Dars choke Sean Woodson, Dars chokes uh, Charles Jordan, beat Steve Peterson in fight of the year. I mean, the guy is electric. He's got some prospect scalps on He's his mantle. But Hakeem is just faster and crisper. And unless this turns into a, some, a, a grappling fast, which it might, Arosa might try to push that. I, th- I think Dawadu's game for that, by the way. I, I really mm. do. I think I agree with you that it's Dawadu's fight to lose a lot in the case that you're looking at these fights that. Juicy J's winning. He's getting dropped. He's yeah. uh, losing oh, yeah. significant moments of these fights. And because his opponents can't finish him, he's coming back in, in these yeah. stronger rounds. I don't think Dawadu is the type to really sell out for that finish. I think Dawadu is the type to really stay composed, keep landing, uh, not put himself out of position where a Darce or, or a flying knee is, is available and really just Pick apart Juicy J when he can yeah, and, and, and just land that jab. He's game in the grappling department. I believe that. And I think that this is a really good matchup for him. I'm glad we see it the same way because I agree. I, I like Mina Keem here. Probably won't lay it straight. 200 a, a little pricey for a guy who rips off submissions, but it'll be in a, it'll be in a, a leg or two of my parlays. All right, main card time. And it's 
a suspect pay-per-view. No belt on the line. But the main event, Nate Diaz, Hamzat, two names sell this. Comain's got Tony Ferguson in it. Let's get after it. Johnny Walker is taking on Ian Kutalaba at 205, and the line is Kutalaba minus a whopping two. Oh, it's come down to 195 on DraftKings. Um, it's been in the 200s most of the time. 195 on DraftKings, Johnny Walker plus 165, open to Kutalaba plus, uh, minus 180, and it's, and it's just trickled down since then. Dan, do you want me to tell you my thoughts on this? My Go thoughts ahead, on- because I, I've been going back and forth all Here are my thoughts on this, and it's pretty easy, I think. I think you bet the over one and a half. I think you bet the over one and a half. And I think that. Plus money on that. That's a good pick. I didn't have that written down. That's a good pick. Yes. Plus money on that. And then I think Kutalaba. If he does what Kutalaba does, he's an absolute menace in the first fatigues hard. I think Johnny Walker is going to be a live bet spot after one. I, I love what you gave. So I said that I've been bouncing around on this one. And when this opened, I might've even tweeted hammer. You want Kutalaba. There's a lot. This is this and that. The thing about Iwan is he, I don't really believe he want, he wants to win. I don't. He's a guy that will throw away positions on mm-hmm. um, point like it, he even when he he's, he's down a minute he's not a guy that climbs back he's a tough guy to bet on and although i think he has more tools in his toolkit in, in the sense that he could wrestle here do i expect him to wrestle here i would be very surprised i think johnny walker is the better striker i yep. think johnny walker if he can get back to that confident johnny walker i know that i say it like it's a mythical fighter, but before that Derek Brunson punch, really before Johnny Walker did the worm and like tore his shoulder or separate. I don't know what he, he heard his shoulder celebrating. Yeah. Um, what, what fight was that? I think it was the worm. I can't remember, but it, no, it, it's been, it has not been. He's not been the same since. If we can get back to that confidence, I know that that's a crazy stretch. This is, this is, this line's flipped and then some. Iwan is not a smart fighter. Iwan is not a strategic fighter. He, he doesn't go in with a game plan and stick to it. He goes in and he says, look how scary I am, and I'm going to punch you. You know what's going to be funny the when other he comes thing in too, to punch him? He's going to get punched. The other thing, too, is people have this, this aspect of Johnny Walker being super chinny. His only losses are to – his only KO losses are to Corey Anderson and Jamel Hill. Those guys hit like Mack trucks, dude. And and the skill level that Jamal Hill has is not in the octagon with Iwan Kutalaba and and Johnny Walker. It's just yeah. And and look, like was Johnny Walker behind Tiago Santos? Yeah, but it went to unanimous decision. And Tiago Santos, in my opinion, beat John Jones without a leg. So it's not a it's not like oh my god, this is the worst loss ever. Kutalaba, on the other hand, has very suspect losses. Ryan Spann. Last time out, a guy Johnny Walker beat. Um, Both of those yeah. were very funny fights, though. I guess they're not super suspect. Misha Serkinov a while back. But but I, both of those, both Ryan Spann fights with Iwan and Johnny Walker were the most suspect fights of all time. Yes. It was like, huh, I'm going on a takedown, and this guy is elbowing my head. Should I move my head? Nah, he'll stop. 
<laughs> and then and then for Ewan, it was, hey, is he gonna grab my neck if I put my neck in his arm? No, nah, he won't. <laughs> no, definitely showed lack lack of fight IQ all around from Kudalaba and then Ryan Span against Johnny Walker. But nonetheless, I think like Johnny Walker, look, I think if I had to pick straight up pre-fight, no lie betting, I take Johnny Walker. I just am really confident I think you can get a better price after round one. I'm so so I'm not as confident as all I'm trying to say. I think that I'm gonna sprinkle this Johnny Walker price and then look to live play. Yeah. Over and I think the over too, I mean it's risky though. Don't get that twisted. It's a risky over. Um but I, I think it's I think it's possible. I think it's possible. And we talk about it all the time. There are there are fights, especially at non-heavyweight that are supposed to be lined at two and a half. And because of this image that's stuck in people's heads of maybe a big knockout or a big chinny moment or a big something, and it's one moment. Yeah. All of a sudden we get a one and a half line. And it the just finishes aren't that. like easy, no matter who you are. Like it's hard to put together finishes. Yeah. I, it's nerve wracking, especially it's, with, it's, it's not like as chinny as Johnny Walker looked against Jamal Hill. It's not like, He's Cody Garbrandt or Tony Ferguson right. coming up or like a 37, 38 right. year old guy who's had this chin for forever and then lost it. It's just right. He got caught. Dude, Jamal Hill finished Thiago Santos. Who does that? You know what I mean? Like the guy's not, the guy's got bricks for hands, caught Johnny Walker. It happens. And obviously the Johnny Walker knockout, the way it went out where he kind of planked, like it looked more vicious. You know what I mean? That was vicious. And so it sticks in people's mind. Um, I don't think he's as chinny as everyone says he is. Arena Aldana's taking on Macy Chawson. Aldana's a pretty sizable favorite, and I'm a big fan of hers as well. She is coming in at minus 180. Macy Chawson plus 155. I mean, this is one where I'm actually not on the dog. I like Aldana, but I can see a clear path for Chawson to win this. Just hold, you got to hold her up. In the in the grappling exchanges, you have to hold her up and, and pin her in the clinch. And and, I mean, and Macy's five eleven. She's gonna have the size right. to be able to right. lean on. Right. And as far as one five. And so the question is, yeah, can can Aldana get thing, what? The scary thing is I agree with you. I'm yeah. almost if if this Aldana line comes below 170, if I can get a 160, 165, yeah. I might take it. And she's that's just scary better, because man. If, she's if you just look better. at my track plays, I haven't taken a woman's favorite all year. I know she's just better, but like at the, the same boxing's legit. Yeah. They, her left hook is legit, legit. And so if she can get her back off the fence, when, when, a when a featherweight five eleven Macy Chison pins are there, she's golden. But if she can't, you're going to watch your money slowly drain. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's tough. Kevin Holland's taken on Daniel Rodriguez, and it appears to be at a catch weight of 180. Because I know D Rod took this on short notice, right? Maybe not. I don't see any cancellation bouts, but it is I think at a catch. Though it was, it was, it came. Kevin Holland at in his post fight interview in Austin said, "I want to fight on a pay per view yeah. in September." So I think Kevin Holland is known that he's fighting, but they just announced this matchup. I want to say two or three weeks ago. And so, it, right. so I, I'm not sure that it's it's short notice, but it's 
to us short notice. Yeah, and it's a catch weight at 180. I just don't think it matters that much because both of these men are massive for 170. You know what I mean? I mean, both these men are huge. So it's not like D-Rod's going to come in there and look small because... I'm going to let you go ahead because I I really... I don't have a strong take on this one. I went back and forth. Okay, my my take is this. I didn't land anywhere. My take is this. Uh, Kevin Holland gave his back to Alex Oliveira last time out. I mean, that's tough. Or two times ago. But at the same time, he's he's dismantling guys like Tim Means. And I love Tim Means. So, I don't know what to make of this. Other than it opened at minus 150. It's been as high as minus 220. It's sitting around 195 for Kevin Holland. 200 in a couple places. If I had to bet, I'm taking D-Rod as the dog. Because it's, I imagine that Kevin Holland won't mix in wrestling. And I imagine in a striking bout, it's it's closer than the line suggests. That's, that's how Holland I having it. a significant speed advantage. Because that, that's where I ultimately landed. I like Daniel's striking style. I don't love it. I think I think Holland wins a striking battle. But I, I tend to agree with you. I might. But do you like it enough to lay minus 200? No. Yeah, me neither. And that's why I, I probably ultimately won't have a play on this. But if I had to, minus 110 each way, I'm all over Holland. But, but, but at minus 200, I just don't see him winning that this fight that clip. Seems a little steep. The other side is this line's completely different if that Dolby decision goes the right way. I, ha- I had Rodriguez winning that Dolby decision. I think everybody did. Right. And I, I think that if we've got a guy who's coming in on what, like a 12, 13 fight win streak, yeah, Kevin Holland's not a favorite. And he did beat Tim Means too. But at the same time, it's like, you're talking about a guy who didn't look great against Mike Perry, beats up on Preston Parsons. I mean, is that really, Kevin Lee was got to be undersized and on his way out. Kevin Lee um, was undersized. That's a significant factor is that, and so I watched like, that right before we recorded. Kevin Lee was the smaller man. Kevin Holland will be the longer and taller man. But at the same time, on the flip side, like when you look at Kevin Holland, like, dude, that first round for Alex Oliveira, we were looking at ourselves and we're like, what the fuck right, is no, going on? For real, Kevin Holland's a guy who, although he has gonna like a five-inch reach advantage, is going to close the distance and rush in and be a, a Kevin Holland, I, I, I won't say dumbass, but is, is going to throw caution to the wind. For sure. And at 6'3", 81 reach, I mean, he's going to be longer and bigger. But D-Rod's a dog, man. He's a dog. And he throws hard. I, I, here's, I just think Kevin Holland's going to ultimately win this fight. But How about the over two and a half here? That's even each way. I mean, if I had to pick, I'm going over on it. I agree. I, I, I kind of like the the over. Last but week we were on a lot of violence. But you can't bet I think both. some dogs and some overs. You can't bet both, though. I don't think you can bet D-Rod and the over. You're going to lose one. I don't know, man. I think really? the serious. I, I, See, I think Kevin Holland wins the striking exchanges enough to get it done on the cards. I think his speed only carries him so far. D-Rod's a possible. good strike. It's possible. I don't know. I think it's hard not to back D-Rod as a dog, though. I mean, that's a sizable dog, too. You know what I mean? 165 is a lot of bang for your buck. And we've, we've got sizable, sizable 
uh, numbers all throughout this main card. Yeah. Speaking Big of a dogs size, are winning or parlay all the favorites. I won't. Speaking of a favorites. sizable, sizable favorite, who I will be on the dog yet again. Co-main event: Lee Ji Liang, the leech against Tony Ferguson. This is going to be up at one seventy for Tony Ferguson, and the line is. Big. It's Lee Ji Liang minus 300, Tony plus 250. It opened at the Leech minus 275 and has shockingly gone in that direction. I think it gets even higher, which is crazier. I don't, eh, maybe not. I actually think it might. It's Leech is a tough dude. Part of it is Tony is a guy who. There's this narrative going around that Tony Ferguson is super chinny because Gaethje knocked him out and the Michael Chandler front kick. Let's talk about this for a second. The front kick knocks out anybody and everybody. That was four months ago. It's a quick turn. That part's concerning. But that that knocks out anybody and everybody. My point, though, if you had said that, was that, I mean, look at the Pettis and Cerrone fights. We're seeing that brutal level of a knockout, and Tony Ferguson rolls out of it within, like, a set, like, half second. His recovery time from these brutal knockouts is is like no, different it's, it's from anyone else. He's too. got five months this time. Like his he can training. roll out like a hundred times. Yeah, his training's insane too. But then you also have to look at the fact that it's like he has fought murderers row. Gaethje, Oliveira, Darius, and Chandler. I mean that. that I mean that's murderers row. You're talking about three champion caliber fighters. And I think Darius could potentially be four with the run he was on before he got injured. The leech is not that. And I think Tony Ferguson's an absolute dog. And I think that at 250, they can take my money, but if it gets even higher, I might even, I think I'm going to place half unit now, half unit. If it gets higher. Full no, I wish I could double the advocate here. I, I like the Tony Ferguson side for everything it's just you a said. It's just a price thing. If we're thinking about it, speed, Tony Ferguson's. Output, Tony Ferguson's. Technical yep. striking, Tony Ferguson's. Yep. Grappling, Tony Ferguson's. Yep. And so. Durability, where, Tony Ferguson. Where is Leach coming to win this fight? Size. He has to chin Tony Ferguson. And that's not something that we've seen to be a normal thing. No. Like, even in the even in the Michael Chandler fight, Tony Ferguson won that first round before getting kicked in the face. The other thing, too, that's amazing to me is before getting kicked in the face. The other thing that's amazing to me is Tony Ferguson is out of anyone I've ever seen in the UFC is a dog. I mean, he does not. He will not. He'll die in there. He, he literally will die in two. there. He might what? be number two. We're, we're going to talk about a guy in a second who might have a little bit more dog in them. It's possible, actually. But Tony, I don't know more. It's equal dog. Like, Tony Ferguson, the fact that he didn't tap to Charles Oliveira, we need to talk about that. <laughs> like, For real. The fact that he was still standing in the Gaethje fight and is like, I'm coming out for round five. Fuck you. I mean, that is dog. That is dog. Um, Look, the leech can't throw anything at Tony that Tony hasn't seen. I feel a little fishy, though, because, like, Tony at 250 at his name value feels like a fish pick. But I just I have to be on it. I do. No, it, right. it'll be it'll see my card maybe just for a sprinkle. Main event: Kamzat Chimaev is taking on Nathan Diaz at one seventy. The line is absolutely hilariously ginormous. It is. It's not even on. It's probably on future events, but it's big. 
Yeah, it's Hamza Chemaev minus 1250. Nate Diaz plus 800. Wow. And I think I think the only possible angle to have at this is over one and a half rounds. That's oh, all I, I have. I love that play. Yeah. I, I, that's that's all I have for you. But because, you know what, Reese? I will be sprinkling on Nate Diaz. That's fine. Too. That, that's fine. That, too. I, it might sound like a throwaway bet. And no, I'm the biggest Tom's out fan in the world. Let's be real. Let's be real. It probably is a throwaway bet. But, but, I, that's, that is the only way to play this. Like in my personal opinion, you do not add Hamzat for the pennies in your parlay. If that the makes way sense. that I see this is as, as funny as this comparison is going to be because it is a little silly, but it also does make sense if you think about it. I see this fight a lot, a lot, a lot. Like Connor Hamzat one. And not stylistically, but storyline. I mean, Connor Diaz? Yeah, sorry, sorry. Connor Diaz won. Um, I think if this was a three-round fight, the line's very appropriate. Hamzat wins that three-round fight 100 out of 100 times. But you've got a guy with all the hype in the world coming off of, I won't say it's their most impressive performance because a lot of people weren't impressed by the Gilbert Burns performance, but I think it was their most to me it was their most impressive performance. It was it was a huge performance. And we've got a guy coming into a five round fight at the peak, the peak, 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 peak of its hype versus a guy who will not go away, cannot be finished, and comes on strongest in the fourth and fifth rounds. We saw what happened in that end of the third. We saw debatably Gilbert win around in that in that fight. Oh, definitely win. Yeah, he definitely won. What happens, what happens if Hamza cannot put Nate out and he has no gas tank in the fifth and, and gets rear naked choke? I, I almost see the exact same storyline happening of like. I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. Right, yeah, and, and it's just like this guy is a cockroach. He's unbeatable. You cannot put him away. No, and that's true. But at the same time, you have a guy who has enough fucking scar tissue that if you wink at him wrong he bleeds you know what i mean i mean if you're right there could be a stoppage from anything if you blow on him you're 100 right um it's it's really hard because with hamza you know he has every skill in the world the octagon time isn't there for you to know every tendency you don't know does he chase the ground and pound you don't know does he chase the sub you don't know was he throwing everything because he knew it was a three round fight or did he get dragged into this firefight? And, and it's there's as good as, and I, I want to stress this comes up, checks every single box I have for a fighter. If I created an imaginary fighter and was like, here's my video game here. Here's the guy I have to be the new goat. It's Hamzat. And that's what I was saying. Like in the first episode, we've been talking about this. There's just stuff to be proved to me first before I look at a minus 1800 and say, yeah, that's accurate. Right. And, and that's really all that it is against a guy this durable. It's not, there, there are situations that I can see where Hamzat is like, 
Rada, I, I keep hitting him in the face and he will not go away. And then all of a sudden we've got a Nate Diaz rear naked choke. Like it's, it's, it's that's the way the sport works. And funny enough, Nate Diaz is the guy that I think can, can keep doing it because it, out of anybody. Yeah. Right. And I'm not, I'm not, I, I know I'm rambling at this point. I'm not no, saying not. Nate I'm Diaz like, has him anymore. You're saying. The grappler, better Hamza. Like, Boxing is probably Nate's, but at this point in their career, athleticism, cardio, it's all probably Hamzat's. Nate Diaz just refuses to go away similarly. I could see him just being there late and winning late. And I want to stress that for parlay makers. I love it. Um, okay. You'll see our official bet picks as always at Ankle pick pod, wherever you prefer to be on social media, but mainly Twitter. Go to Twitter. Um, we'll get an ankle coach? lockout day of. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a seven and one ankle lock since the turn of the game. Yeah. No. And the ankle locks are, are money in the bank. It's just hard to get them ready Wednesday and Tuesday. So just the best place to get these locks are Twitter. I mean, it's not, we're not plugging anything. We're not making money over there. Everything's completely free. It's just the easiest way for us to distribute the information. So Danny's smelling his keyboard. That's usually time to end things. Uh, who wants to give Rip the... It's Hamza week. Give it to Dan. Yeah, Dan, take it, you Swedish boy. Oh, hi, brother. Actually, he's... Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.